1: Welcome to Bird's Eye View on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Hess, along with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Ravitch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have a fun topic, don't we, Dr. Ravitch?
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think for a lot of people,
1: a little different. You want to explain a little bit about what we're going to say today? Sure.
0: So today we're going to be talking about all the different types of birds or the common types of birds that people keep as pets and where these animals originally come from and why people keep these particular types of birds and just a little bit about the uniqueness of each group or species of bird that we're talking about.
1: It sounds fun. It's kind of what we do every day. We get to see all these different kinds of birds and we are excited to share some information with you. So we're going to take a break right now for just a second and we will be right back to tell you all about these fun and exciting birds that we get to play with every day.
0: Stay perched. We'll be soaring back right after these messages.
1: Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets, struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com then come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today available at amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com
0: Your dog digs a hole under your fence and the next thing you know protect your pets with Dig Defense, the amazing new product that keeps your pets in the yard Dig Defense is safe Fast and easy. Each unit is made from 4-gauge galvanized American steel and can be used for repairing digouts, filling gaps, or to hold fences down so pets can't get under them. Dig Defense provides peace of mind that
1: your pets are contained humanely and safely. Visit digdefense.com today. D-I-G, D-E-F-E-N-C-E.com.
0: Let's Talk Pets, on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Oh, well, welcome back to Bird's Eye View. I'm Dr. Lori Hess, here with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Ravitch. And as we said today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the different types of birds that we get to look at every day and work with and share with you some important information about each of these types of birds. So, Dr. Ravitch, what would you like to start with?
0: I thought we could start with something that probably most people are familiar with, which would be what most people know as as a parakeet, but the actual name of the bird is a budgerigar, or a budgie for short.
1: Good idea. We see lots of (laughs)
0: Yeah, this is a common bird seen in pet stores and I think a lot of people have had these birds or know other people who have had these birds. I guess they're a common kitchen pet. You think of them sitting in a cage in the kitchen singing away. So a budgie originally comes from Australia and they live in large flocks in Australia and they feed off of different seeds and things on the ground.
1: Yes, they do. They are ground feeders. And one thing to note about them, although the common budgie, this sort of smaller version that we see, comes from Australia, there is sort of a larger version, one that has a little bit of a bigger forehead, a little fluffier looking, definitely bigger in body size, um, that is an English budgie or English budgerigar. They're a little Mm -hmm. different looking and... um, But they are both considered budgies, and they they can live together happily. We have many families that have both types together. And they are a fun sort of first bird for people to have, I think. Um, When you want a sort of relatively low-maintenance bird, they are great little pets to start with.
0: Yeah, they can actually mimic some sounds. We have a few budgies that can actually say words and can talk, and people always think of the larger parrots as the ones that can talk, but the budgies can do quite well, too. An interesting thing about the budgie is that if it's in its normal coloration, whatever color it would be in the wild, which tends to be uh, greenish-blue, you can actually tell males from females by the color at the base of their beak, right around where their nostrils are. Males, it's blue there, and in females, it's tannish. Yes. Uh,
1: Yeah, And that's that's actually kind of fun. They all start off kind of a purpley blue or like a purple when they're little and they're young. And then as they age and as they evolve, um, you're right, they become blue in that area. And the females do get sometimes even a crusty brown from Mm -hmm. all the estrogen in their body. But um, it's a great way to be able to sex pets as they get older. And budgies are just really fun. And as you mentioned before, I actually did have a patient, I'll never forget, um, this budgie who actually spoke three languages, English, Spanish, and Hebrew. And this owner absolutely had these conversations with this budgie. So again, don't be fooled. You don't have to have a big bird to have it talk back at you.
0: I think it's a good first pet for kids and for children to learn how to be gentle and handle them gently. And even though they're small and maybe a little flighty, they can very you know very closely bond with their owners and be taught to come out of the cage and spend time with the owner. So it is a really a popular pet and a, a good pet as well.
1: Yeah, and they don't require a ton of space. So if you live in a small home and an apartment um, and you have neighbors that mind loud squawking, if you're interested in getting a bird, a budgie can be a really great choice for you.
0: Exactly. Probably the next most common pet parrot that we see is the cockatiel, also commonly seen in pet stores. And I think a lot of families also have cockatiels as well. Just like the budgie or the parakeet, cockatiels come from Australia and kind of have a similar history where they live in flocks and they feed on the ground
1: yeah, and they are absolutely birds that I, I know I often recommend for families as a first bird. They want something a little a little bigger than a budgie, but maybe not so big that it will be uh, difficult for a child to handle. Um, and cockatiels also tend to live a long time. I would say we've, we didn't mention budgies tend to live, we would say, probably six to eight years. They can live certainly into their teens if they're kept well and, and fed well. Cockatiels, on the other hand, tend to live longer. They can live into their 20s. So they are a slightly longer-lived bird. And they're great first birds. They're very interactive, full of personality. They definitely bond to their owners.
0: And they can also be good mimickers and pick up sounds and whistles. And they can talk a little bit. They're not known for being big talkers, but I think they are known for bonding very closely with their family members.
1: Yeah. And one thing to know, though, if you are going to get a cockatiel, and particularly if you get a female cockatiel, they are probably the most prolific egg layers that we see. They can make an egg every 48 hours, and some of them can churn, you know, 20, 30 eggs out in one time every other day. So it's really important that you be prepared to deal with a bird like this, that you provide the proper light, um, ultraviolet light, a bird light inside the house, that they can get direct sunlight, not just through a window, but direct light, that you provide them with the proper calcium in their diets, that if you do have a female bird, they can tolerate all that egg laying and not get into trouble and become egg bound.
0: Exactly. That's a very important point.
1: What else do we see?
0: Oh, well, I guess since we're kind of moving up size wise let's talk about conyers next. Conyers is a are a big group of birds that come from South America. There's a whole bunch of different types of conyers, probably some of the most common ones would be um, like sun conyers green cheek conyers are very common there, but there's a whole way, range of conyers. They do tend to be a little noisier, but they also make very good pets and can and can bond very closely with their owners
1: yeah they come in the most incredible colors really really beautiful colors they're great to look at they are a little bit of a meteor bird um, a lot of them are very playful like to come out but they you do have to be prepared if you're going to have a conure you don't want to have close by neighbors because they are as loud as some of the bigger birds if not louder when they squawk quite a bit particularly in the morning so you have to be prepared to deal with the, the noise and not mind it and not uh, be worried about waking somebody up if you're going to have a What should we well, talk about next Oh, I think we should talk about African greys. We see African greys, oh, so commonly, very, very popular birds. And they are very, very popular not only because they're beautiful to look at, but also because they're probably one of the most interactive species that we see. In terms of talking, they're probably the best talkers that we see, um, which is definitely why I think they're so popular.
0: Yeah, I also think they're known for making extremely strong bonds to their owner and they are also known for being more of a one-person bird, especially if they're not socialized to a bunch of people, they'll kind of pick one person and that's their person. They do, you know, like Dr. has said, they're very very good talkers and they're very smart as well. They can figure out puzzles and they can figure out toys. They could just be a lot of fun to work with assuming you have the time to devote to them.
1: And that's a really important point. I think a lot of people are attracted to African Greys because they are so smart and they do make such great talkers and they also can live, you know, decades. I mean, we've see them. we seen them live into their 40s and 50s even. So they are attractive, but because they are so smart, they do require extra attention, I think more so even than some of the other species that we see, or they will become bored, they'll pick at their skin, they'll pick at their feathers, they'll scream, and they can develop quite a few behavioral problems if you're not prepared to spend time with them and give them the attention that they need.
0: Yeah, that's very important. We actually glossed over their natural history a bit. As you could probably guess, African grays are from Africa. But there are two subspecies. There's uh, the common type of African gray, which is called the Congo variety, and they have the bright red tail and they're a little bigger. And then there's the less commonly known Timney variety. They're a little bit darker gray color. They're a little bit smaller and their tail is more of a maroon than a red.
1: Absolutely, and they actually have sometimes a sort of a tan-colored beak as well. And they're fun, too. I mean, they're they're both great types of birds, just slightly different, and the timneys are a little bit smaller, but equally good as talkers and equally great as companions. Mm -hmm. I love African greys. We actually have an African grey here at the hospital who lives with us and is quite entertaining in our waiting room, very loud, (laughs) Um, but she's a, a great bird to show people, you know, what it's like to have an African grey.
0: Yes. Another really good group of birds are the Amazon parrots. These parrots come from South America and they're your typical big green parrot. But there are a huge number of varieties and they can come in some amazing colors with different reds and blues and on their wings and yellow on their heads a huge variety, and like I said, they do come from South America.
1: Yep, and they are sort of when you think about movies and stuff, you think about the bird that's sitting on the pirate's shoulder. They live a really long time. I mean, we see them probably live longer than any other species that we see. They make great companions. We see them frequently pass from generation to generation within a family. They can make great talkers. They definitely are full of personality. They don't put up with a lot of stuff from their owners. They, they have their own minds. They do what they want to do, but they They can be very very sweet and terrific pets Um, again you have to be prepared to spend a lot of time with them because they also can pick at themselves and scream if they are not getting the attention they need and uh, you have to be prepared to have a long lived bird if you're going to have an Amazon parrot
0: Something that's interesting about Amazons in captivity, too, is that they tend to be prone to obesity more than some of the other types of birds. So while it's important to watch diet, make sure any bird is on a healthy diet, it's almost even more important for the Amazons because they are prone to obesity. And just like a person, all the secondary health problems a person could have, these birds can have as well. And since they're so long-lived, it really does mimic the same kind of disease presentations that a person would have.
1: Absolutely. They're the birds that we see get high cholesterol, fatty deposits in their blood vessels, and, and they are more prone to strokes because of that. You know, so again, it's tempting to feed your bird whatever you want, whatever he wants, um, particularly if, if you have a bird in your family and they uh, hang out with you at the table, as many of these larger parrots do, and eat with the family. But if you have an Amazon, you've got to make sure you're not feeding them a lot of high fat seeds or, um, you know, a lot of high fat table foods. Something that we have to discuss almost on a daily basis at the animal hospital here. So. What other birds do we see that are fun?
0: Um, cockatoos. Cockatoos are a lot of fun. There are a whole big you know, variety of cockatoos as well. And the interesting thing about cockatoos is that they come in a, a wide range of sizes. They can be quite small, like a lesser sulfur-crested cockatoo or a goffin's cockatoo can be quite small, even smaller than an Amazon or an African gray. But the bigger cockatoos, like the Moluccan cockatoo, can be almost as big as a macaw. So they do have quite a big variety. They're known for having fun crests of feathers on their heads that can stick up straight when they're excited. And they're also from the Australia region.
1: Yeah, and in Australia, they these birds fly around like what we would consider pigeons in the United States they're kind of an annoyance while in the United States here people will pay a couple thousand dollars for these birds they are beautiful birds and I think the reason people are attracted to them most as pets is that they're very cuddly they're probably the neediest of all the species that we see they crave attention they love to be with their owners they're kind of like the baby of the family in terms of birds which is a good thing and a bad thing because people will when they take care of them the right way they can make terrific pets they bond to their family they really love love to be handled. On the other hand, if you don't have enough time to spend with a cockatoo, this is definitely not the species for you to get because they do develop uh, any number of behavior problems, screaming, picking, biting. We probably see more behavior problems in cockatoos than any other species, maybe next to the African gray, just because they are so smart and so socially needy. Well, we are almost a ways through uh, our parrot species that we see. We have a whole bunch of other birds we want to mention to you. But we're going to take a little break right now, and we will come back in just a few minutes to Bird's Eye View. So thank you for listening, and we'll be right back.
0: Stay perched. We'll be soaring back right after these messages. Ah! Pet, pet, pet and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. So you can call in at 877 385 8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com, and hopefully, we'll see you here on Thursdays.
1: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. .com.
1: Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. I'm Dr. Laurie Hess here with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Ravitch. And today we're talking about the different kinds of birds that people have as pets and and their natural histories and why people might want to have them. So, Dr. Ravitch, we were just talking about a whole bunch of parrot species. What should we talk about next?
0: Well, I think we had one more parrot group we wanted to talk about, the macaws. It's definitely a very important and well-known group. They're some of the bigger parrots. They come from South America, and they're known for the gorgeous feathers and the really long tails, for example, like the scarlet. Scarlet macaws that are always pictured flying over the the rainforest. They're blue and gold macaws. The probably one of the biggest parrots, if not the biggest parrot, the hyacinth macaw, which is a solid deep blue color with some yellow patches on its face. We do have quite a few clients who own macaws, and they are a popular pet. But due to their size and especially their strength and strength of their beak. They do have to, you know, you have to know what you're doing and you have to make sure you have the right amount of space for them.
1: And these birds can get quite large and you really, really do need to make sure you have space for them. I mean, birds at a minimum should be able to stretch their wings out and move around in their cage. So if you don't have space or time for these birds, again, you want to think twice. I think uh, macaws are, are very, very attractive in pet stores. They are so beautiful and so interactive and so stunning that people really, really want to rush out and get them without really learning about them. I think that's true for all of these uh, species we've mentioned, but macaws in particular, just because they are so striking. And even the hyacinth is probably, you know, the most striking of macaws. The people who have hyacinth macaws in our veterinary practice, these are people who have really researched these animals and know that these animals require quite a a lot of attention. They can be very destructive. They have huge beaks. um, And if they get out of their cage, they can take apart your furniture and get into a lot of trouble. So you have to be really prepared to have the environment set up properly so that these animals don't get into trouble and don't damage your belongings.
0: Exactly. So I think that about ties it up for the parrots. Of course, there are tons more other parrots that we didn't talk about, but we wanted to get to some of the other birds that we see here at the veterinary center as well. I think a big category we see that some people might be surprised about are ducks and geese. Quite a lot of people have ducks and geese kind of for fun, sometimes for eggs, but uh, also just as pets. And they can be very um, bonded to these animals and the animals can be very bonded to them. And sometimes they live you know, in in the house with the families and they're part of the family, just like a dog and a cat would be.
1: Absolutely. Ducks and geese are, again, surprising pets bit you wouldn't believe people would have, but we do see quite a few of them. A couple of things to note if you're considering having a duck or a goose as a pet, if you're going to have this kind of animal inside your house, realize that they do pass droppings all over the place. They don't really care where they go, and their droppings can be a little smellier than some of the parrots, and so they actually make little diapers for these animals. It sounds kind of crazy, but if you're going to have them in your house, it's something you might want to consider. They do need to get some fresh air and go outside. And they also, because of the way their, their feet are webbed and their, the way their body is structured, they really do need access to water. So if you don't have a pond and if you're going to have one of these as a pet, you at least have to provide a minimum sort of a kitty wading pool for them to splash around and to keep their feathers in good condition and to give them the right exercise that they need to be healthy. Exactly.
0: And it's also important that all of these animals that you would think of you would, you know as animals that stay outside like chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, They all have special diets. You can't just go and get one type of food for all of them because they actually have different protein requirements and different nutritional requirements. And they can get very sick if they don't get the right diet. So you do have to make sure that you're feeding them the right food, even though it seems very easy to just throw, you know, breadcrumbs out in the backyard and let them forage and take care of the rest. That's not going to cut it most of the time.
1: And it's important too to think about the life stages that these animals are in. When they're young and growing, just like a child, a human child, they need added protein and energy. There are certain grower diets for them. And then when they become mature, particularly if you have a female bird that is laying a lot of eggs, and some of the ducks and geese, and certainly the chickens that we see are very prolific egg layers, they need to be on a layer diet, which also has some added calories and nutrition that, uh, particularly with calcium, that a laying animal needs. So you do have to pay attention to what stage of life you're on. Animals in your bird is in, and if you're going to have these birds, you really need to modify their diet as they age and, and grow.
0: I guess this is a good segue to go into chickens. A lot of people have chickens, and there's a whole variety of, um, I guess, the intensity that people will, uh, will keep these chickens at. Some of them just have them as backyard egg producers, but some people and become very attached to the chickens, and the chickens also, just like the ducks and geese, get attached to their people. And they're also make good pets. They're very inquisitive. They have fun personalities. And they do lay eggs, which is a benefit as well.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting recently, I think, you know, people have always had pet chickens, but I think that they're really hot pets right now because there are so many varieties. And, um, you know, we think of the chicken, the sort of standard, all one color brown or black chicken, very simple looking. You would be amazed if you're not familiar, you know, take a look online. There are so many different varieties of chickens with long feathers and short feathers and different patterns and different size animals. Some of them are so small that they can sit in the palm of your hand, some of them are huge. They almost become addictive when you you get one or two of them you want all these different varieties and you just have to realize that you know they are going to mate some of them should not be mixed together they do have spatial requirements so you don't want to put them all into a little teeny setting they will you know attack each other peck at each other and you have to sort of limit the number of chickens you have even though it's fun to have them you have to think do you have the space and the time and even you know the finances to take care of that many chickens in a flock
0: i think something that's tough for a lot of people is that People will adopt a chicken or or get a chicken, and this particular breed of chicken was meant to be you know, an egg layer or is bred for meat and they are bred to produce a lot in a short amount of time. Chickens are bred to produce a lot of eggs in a short amount of time and unfortunately a lot of times that means their lifespan is not as long as it should be and they end up getting sick earlier than you would expect from reproductive type illnesses and I think that's very hard for people who bond to these animals just because they become very attached and unfortunately a lot of the chickens like I said that are bred to, to be producers get worn out very quickly.
1: Absolutely and you and- it's funny, you know, when we talk about all these parrots that we mentioned, you know, those are the birds that at least people, when they have them as pets, they consider taking them to the veterinary hospital and having them have checkups. It is no different for ducks, geese, or chickens. Um, these animals, because they are, in particularly because they're laying and many people are consuming these eggs, people really, really need to think about having these animals checked and particularly checking for parasites. We see a lot of parasites in, in chickens and in ducks and geese. They're outside, um, often walking around the lawn, pecking at the soil, and if you're going to eat these animals' eggs, those parasites can be in those eggs. So I know it it kind of startles people when they bring in a sick chicken for us to check when we start talking about whether they're really doing the right things to prevent disease in their chickens, deworming, checking their stool for parasites, making sure that they change the environment, turn over the soil that these animals are living on outside if they're outside, and making sure that they have adequate ultraviolet light so that they can actually form vitamin D in their skin. And vitamin D is essential to helping them get calcium from the food that they're eating, to make Those healthy eggshells when they're churning out all those eggs. So there's a lot more than just sort of having these pets in your backyard or having a little coop in your yard and kind of throwing some chicken scratch at them. There's really a science to this to make sure that they stay healthy. And that's something that a veterinarian really should be helping you out with to make sure that they they live a proper life. Okay, um, we wanted to mention another common type of bird that we see, a family of birds that we see, the passerines. Those are the finches and canaries that we see quite a few of, don't we, Dr. Rouch? We do. Quite a lot of people have
0: finches and canaries, and I think for a variety of reasons, they are small and they're pretty easy to keep. They come in tons of varieties, even canaries, which you would think is just your generic little yellow bird. They come in huge varieties with fun hairdos and different types of feathers, and finches come can come in gorgeous colors. And the canaries especially are no known for their, their really amazing song. It doesn't even sound like it comes out of a live animal. It's, it's just amazing. But they're really fun birds, and they make good pets, especially if you want something that's maybe a little more hands-off and more just for it to observe or to listen to.
1: Yeah, they are beautiful to look at. They come in different colors, as you mentioned. Again, another type of bird that is almost addictive, particularly with finches. There are so many different varieties. If you get one finch, you want another one. And then before you know it, you have an entire cage full of you know dozens of finches and realize that they are going to breed and you will end up with many, many more finches. And so you have to provide them with the proper space. Plus, there are certain types of finches that should not be housed with other types of finches for disease reasons. So it's just not a matter of getting one and throwing another one into the cage and another one and another one you really want to make sure that if you're going to have if you're going to breed finches or you're going to have multiple species of finches in your house that you do it the right way and learn about who is okay to mix and match and and have them checked and don't get them from multiple different sources because they can bring in different diseases as you mix and match them together. But they can be beautiful animals to watch. Again, a little lower maintenance. They still require veterinary checkups as we mentioned and specific diets meant for them. Remember they're not the hard bills that the parrots are. They have a softer bill and they um, require different kinds of food than parrots do, but you don't want to just throw some seed at them because although they do eat seed in, in the wild and they do have certain seeds in their diet normally, it's not the kind of, you know, sort of store-bought seed that we see all around that we you might feed to another bird. You really want to provide them with a pelleted diet, they need some vegetable matter and their requirements for seeds may change depending upon whether they're breeding or not. They need certain levels of fat in their diet if they're very hormonally active. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that a veterinarian can help you with.
0: And so, and speaking of hormonally active, something interesting that these birds can do during the reproductive season, which tends to be, especially in the warmer months, uh, the males can actually develop a swelling, kind of in, down in their lower belly region, and people can mistake it for a mass or something very scary, but it's actually a very normal part of their reproductive cycle, and they can double, you know, increase their weight significantly just by being in the reproductive season. It's very, um, It's very interesting what they can do physiologically. Very crazy.
1: It, absolutely. I mean, people don't realize That birds have uh, reproductive organs internally. Of course, we think of reproductive organs inside a female, as we would in any species of animal, but males actually have, male birds actually have testicles inside. So when they're hormonally active, they do get very large. Canaries are known for their song, particularly in the warmer months of the spring, in particular, and that's when they sing very, very actively to attract females. And you don't have to have a female around, you can have a single male bird in a household searching for a female. and have them sing and actually it's interesting if uh, I have canaries at home and I learned a big lesson when I had one during his first breeding season my first canary sang and sang and sang and then he didn't want to sing quite as much and I thought about bringing in another canary but um, what I learned is it's not a good idea to put him directly with a female because he will stop singing he doesn't really have to impress anybody if he has the female right there and you don't want to put him with another male right in the cage because they'll fight but actually putting another male in the room that he can see in here they'll both sing quite a bit. So it's another great way to get that song going and and make them really attractive as pets.
0: So I think we're running a little bit short on time. Some of the other birds that we see, probably not as commonly, but we still do see and that people do keep would be pigeons. People can also keep toucans, which can be surprising, and they, they have a whole different set of requirements and, and diseases that they can get. We see peacocks. A lot of people keep peacocks and other different types of, of fowl. And birds of prey or raptors, and actually for those animals, you actually need a license.
1: To yes, have them. good point. I mean, these are all wonderful birds, and birds in general can make great pets. But all of those different types of birds that Dr. Rabbit just mentioned have very, very specific needs. I mean, raptors are completely different from peacocks, for example, and you do need space for these animals. Most of these animals, you know, the peacocks and the raptors, and, and even some of the pigeons, need to be outside. They need to be able to fly to develop properly. And some of them are more appropriate as pets, and some of them are just more appropriate to be looked at and not necessarily handled, unless you're are Really knowledgeable, you really shouldn't be touching a raptor because they really can injure you with their feet on yes. their claws. So, birds in general can make terrific pets. We're excited by all of them. We're lucky enough to be able to play with all of these animals all day and realize that they do have different needs and requirements. So, we would just encourage you if you're considering getting a bird as a pet, that you learn about them in advance. You talk to people that have knowledge of them about their diet, their spatial requirements, what kinds of diseases they get, how long they live. These are all things to consider. Don't Don't rush out and just get a raptor or a pigeon or a toucan for that matter. Learn about them and and be knowledgeable before you get one. And and then, you know, realize that uh, these are animals just like dogs and cats that need care. And um, again, they can make terrific animals as pets. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our show today. We're out of time now. We want to thank you so much for listening. And we'd like to thank everybody who is out there appreciating those birds for listening. And we hope you'll tune in again in the future to Bird's Eye View. I'm Dr. Lori Hess here with Dr. Dr. Michelle Ravitch, thanks so much for listening.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.